Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program Today's Issues here on American Family Radio. Thanks for listening to AFR on this uh, February the 1st, 2023. Uh, Joining me in studio is Ed Battagliano. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Tim. Fred Jackson. Hi, Tim. And Chris Woodward's in studio with us. Your microphone on? Uh, Testing, one, two, three. (laughs) Microphone working. All right. uh, Thanks for joining us, everybody. We got uh, a lot to talk about on on this Wednesday. And we're going to get to the news of the day. Uh, but first of all, there's a very special event taking mm-hmm. place in Washington, D.C. right now, right? Yes. This is the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance. It's something that's sponsored by various organizations, including ours, American Family Association, uh, for the purpose of people gathering together and praying to God and repenting before God. Uh, there's been a big concern that now that Joe Biden is in the White House, that the Biden administration wants to take events like the National Prayer Breakfast or National Day of Prayer and make it all kind of Unitarian, where we all get together and pray and worship together and stuff like that. But um, Universalist. I yes, Universalist. Yes, Thank you very much. Unitarian is a specific denomination. Who does subscribe to Universalism? Oh. Thank you. Wow, that was that was impressive. <laughs> I got more. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, but uh, you if I need to. so organizations uh, gather today for again what was called the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance. This is held at the Museum of the Bible in Washington D.C. And some of the topics that people gathered together and prayed about include abortion. Um, people repented for kicking God out of school, for calling evil good and good evil. Um, former homosexuals and lesbians uh, prayed for the sins of homosexuality and for people pushing sex change procedures on minors. Uh, One lady even uh, mentioned prayer for the big push for environmental social governance policies. I strung together a few of the prayers here. Um, What you're going to hear now is a compilation of people, including uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, our very own Abraham Hamilton III, and a few others praying various things today. The city on the hill that once led its school children in the Lord's Prayer, now indoctrinates them against the ways of God. And into confusion and darkness, it alters them, transforms them, sterilizes them, mutilates them, and calls it freedom. Lord, our land is racked with wickedness, Lord, and you've invested your body in our nation to be the pillar and ground of truth, but we've fumbled that truth. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Our most desperate and greatest need in our nation is for you. We repent, Father, for exalting the creation over the Creator. Therefore, I repent for my own sins and those of the Supreme Court and for your church and for my nation, for we have sinned and are sinning grievously against you. Now, the man there at the end of the clip was Alan Parker of the Justice Foundation, who's been on various programs here on AFR. Also appearing at today's National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance is um, Pastor Andrew Brunson. He was the man who was held captive in Turkey and was released during the Trump administration. Pastor Brunson told people to prepare their hearts for persecution. Uh, he went on to share scripture like uh, 2 Timothy three twelve, saying we should expect persecution, but Brunson said there's a dark wave of persecution, his words coming, uh, and we should repent and repair our hearts for that. Uh, I was just going to say this is uh, appropriate. It's appropriate for uh, people of faith to come before 
the true God. That's why I don't like the universalist approach that this administration apparently wants to promote, because you do not uh, offer up to whom it may concern prayers. Prayers should be directed to Almighty God, the God of the Bible. Yes. And if you're a Christian, you pray in the name of Jesus. And if you're not allowed to do that, I personally don't believe you participate in those kinds of uh, gatherings. I, you know, I'm not going to say amen to a prayer to, you know, uh, uh, Allah, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a, a Muslim who's praying. Right. And I, I'm not saying that they should be persecuted in this country, not allowed to practice their faith. We do have a First Amendment that allows them to do so, but I'm not going to participate in that. This is an appropriate approach to the sins of our nation and to our own personal sins uh, coming before God uh, as in a communal way like we do at church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to see this. I hope this kind of thing uh, continues. It has been going on for many, many years. That's why I have great hope that God will hear those prayers. And I want to encourage our listeners to continue to pray and encourage their pastors to pray on their behalf because God hears those prayers. These kinds of uh, prayer events have been going on for many years. I believe God hears them. So I'm happy to see this. I, I think it, it's really important to note that the, the, the sample of the prayers that you gave could not have been said at the National Prayer Breakfast. No. Now right. being basically run by the Democratic Party. Uh, because those were prayers against the policies that Democrats have championed. Good point. So uh, it it is, I think, an, uh, an important observation to say we had to come out from among them in order to be have the freedom to pray the way that we should. And kudos to American Family Association, Tony Perkins, and others who said it is time that we held our own event because repentance, revival is needed in this country. Yeah, prayer it, should not be should not be empty words. No. And if you're and if you are if you are draining mm-hmm. the spiritual life out of prayers in order to be accepted by others who disagree with you, you might as well forget it. Yeah. You can those those are those are empty words. The Bible through and through in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the words of Jesus, the Gentiles think that they'll be uh, heard by their gods because of their multipl- multiplicity of words. Mm. Empty words are not welcome in heaven. That's right. So if we want to pray effectively, those prayers need to be uttered with passion, mm-hmm. with conviction, all the things we heard in that uh, montage, yeah, Chris. It was really moving. And I will I will tell you, too, I know, you know Joe Biden claims to be a man of faith. And um, during the last night of the convention before he formally got the Democratic Party's presidential nomination, it was all about Joe Biden being a man of faith who prays. And they, they spent... They went way out of their way with all these examples of times he prayed or whatnot. Just because somebody says they pray doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, it, it's what they say and how they say it and why they're saying it. And that, I think, is the difference between today's event and some of the watered-down stuff we've gotten in recent years. And let me say, the Bible is quite clear that if—and this is—listen, this is for us, too. Mm-hmm. This isn't just for people who are on the, quote-unquote, progressive side of the political spectrum— God does not hear the prayers of the wicked, all right, unless they are prayers of repentance and confession uh, and and or at times God will hear the prayers of unbelievers and answer them because God has a purpose for those people. 
But in general, the Bible is very clear. If we hold wickedness in our heart, even as Christians, God will not hear our prayers. So that is why having a right heart before God and coming to God in repentance is important if you want your prayers to be effective. So it it is time. It has always been, I, 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 I don't know why I'm charged up about this, but but it is, our country has always had times of prayer. Presidents have issued proclamations mm-hmm. of repentance, national repentance, because the people of America, by and large, were Christian in orientation, and their and their understanding of religion was biblical. Those kinds of public times. I think we're effective in reaching heaven with prayers. But since the middle of the last century, when our government formally, through the Supreme Court and others, began driving out the Bible, prayer in schools, all those kinds of things, I think our prayer exercises have become increasingly empty, hollow, and not reaching heaven. Mm -hmm. The heavens have become like brass. Christians need to get serious about their faith. And I, like you got gentlemen, applaud this kind of gathering and the others like it that have been happening over uh, the past decades. Yeah, we, uh, we American Family Association are a co-sponsor of this event at the National Museum, excuse me, the Museum for the Bible Yes, in Washington, D.C. And you heard Abe, Abraham Hamilton praying right, right there minutes ago did yeah he, we plan to cover this he did yes yeah. uh we plan to cover this uh later today um so stick right here and keep a check on our newscast at the top of the hour beginning later today uh i'll put together several uh compilations and do different news reports so that way everybody not part of the event today gets an idea of what ha- what happened thank you chris thank Appreciate you it. you're listening to today's issues on american family radio well president former president trump's Go, he's uh, unloading on Governor Ron DeSantis this morning. Did you see this? Yes. I, I guess I'll tell you about it. Uh, let's see here. I don't know why he's doing this, unless he thinks that Governor DeSantis might beat him in a primary. Uh, but maybe he thinks Governor DeSantis will decide not to run. Well, he, uh, Trump said this morning on his or yes, let's see, on his True Social. He said that Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, is a global uh, is a rhino globalist. Well, that's nonsense. Why is I don't know why he's saying things like that. He's a rhino globalist, and that he's uh, <clears throat> he said Trump said about Governor DeSantis the revelations about Ron DeSanctimonious doing far worse than many other Republican governors, including that he unapologetically 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 shut down Florida and its beaches was interesting. Talking about during COVID. Um, So anyway, uh, Governor DeSantis, I I don't know, he he said something about, well, he won re-election, but he didn't say anything personally about Trump. But Trump must be really worried about DeSantis to go on the name-calling thing early and often here. But it's not only name-calling, it's false accusations. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's a, not a rhino. A rhino globalist. A rhino globalist. That's what DeSantis is, according I, to. I mean, look what DeSantis has done over the last couple of years in Florida, and the people of Florida don't regard him as a rhino globalist. 
They just reelected him in November at about a 20% margin of something of that nature. And to accuse uh, uh, Ron DeSantis of, you know, shutting down the state of Florida. <laughs> Florida is known as the state that opened up. Right. And people start flooding into Florida <clears throat> because of the I freedom that I, I don't understand. If he thinks well, this is a, a winning message. That's but, what I say. I think it's, <clears throat> I think probably Trump thinks the, same formula he used in 2016 will work again. Yeah. I don't think it will. It's a new world. It's a new situation, new dynamics at hand. Uh, so he just says, well, I'll just go, I'll just go ahead and go with the name calling, see if I can get it to stick, you know, like little Marco, Lion Ted. Right. Uh, what Low was energy. The, Low energy yep. Jeb. Jeb. So I'll just call him Ron the Sanctimonious in, uh, Raise the level of discourse. <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is everybody shut down initially in 2020. Right. We didn't know what we, we were facing. We didn't know what we were facing. When Trump was president. When Trump was president. Uh, but Ron DeSantis opened the country. He was one of the first. Open the state. To, uh, yeah, open the state. He was one of the first to open it and to defy other governors like Gavin Newsom in California and others who were very critical of him. So, uh, listen, uh, I don't think this is a winning strategy for the former president if he wants to win the nomination. I think what people are looking for now, in 2016, people were very angry. They were angry at the dysfunction in Washington, the swamp, all those kinds of things. a business outsider, businessman outsider. And a businessman outsider seemed like a welcome uh, champion. But what people are looking for now, they are very uh, dissatisfied with Congress, especially with Congress, uh, with uh, uh, politics as usual, all those things. They want problem solvers. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. They want a problem solver. And the former president, if he wants the Republican nomination, is going to have to start coming up with ideas that solve the problems of 2023, not necessarily 2016. And I don't think they're going to respond to the, to the name calling. No. President, former President Trump, when he was running as a candidate in 2015 and 2016, was seen, as Tim said, as an outsider, a businessman who could accomplish things. And he accomplished a lot. He did what he said he was going to do. Very proud of what President Trump accomplished while he was in office for those four years. If he wants the nomination, he's got to come back and say, here's my plan solve inflation to get American manufacturing back. He's going to have to come up with ideas. I don't think those kinds of insults are going to work. Here's exactly what former President Trump said. This is reading from his uh, Truth Social. Is that what it's called? Okay. uh, It was the response to him getting kicked off Twitter. So he started this. He said the club club for no growth, that's the club for growth, Many people have heard of that. Is a globalist group that I have been taking to the cleaners for years. We worked together for a period, but they couldn't get away from China, Europe, Asia, and parts unknown. They know I won't play that game. I'm American first all the way. That's the only way we will make America great again. Ron DeSanctimonious, who I made governor in both the primary and the general, is also a globalist, and so are his donors. 
Jeb Low Energy Bush Bush was next to him last week. Check the past. Now, I would ask President Trump, so you made a globalist, the governor of Florida? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And you're proud of that? Yeah. That's a really good point. And a rhino? And a rhino? You supported a rhino? That, huh? Well, well played, counselor. This is is what happens when you just start running your mouth and you don't, you don't, you got to think better than this. If you're Trump and you want to be president again, you're going to have to have the same people who, who admire Ron DeSantis to support you. Right. Right. Yes. So why do you want to, why do you want to, um, put them down and by calling somebody names like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who is greatly admired by conservatives all over the country. And if you, if, if you insult the governor of Florida for being a rhino and a globalist, it's one thing if you're running, if it's one thing, if you are insulting somebody who's not really in politics, uh, like a Mike Pompeo or even Mike Pence right now, they're not, they're not running anything. Okay, but if you insult the governor of Florida, you're insulting all the people who voted for him. <laughs> okay, that because to your point, you extend it even a little further. You're saying all the people that voted for him, they're rhinos and they're globalists. So how are you, President Trump, going to win Florida? Also, when you insult people in such a personal way, I've seen this in my life. We've, we've all, if you've lived long enough, you've seen things happen. It's hard for them to put that behind them when you want them, when the time comes for them to, when you want their support. Okay. So let's just say, for example, Trump beat DeSantis in a primary. Right. A close primary. And he wins the Republican nomination. Is Trump then going to call up DeSantis and say, hey, I'm sorry about all the name calling on you, uh, sanctimonious for the last year or so you want to come be on my you know would you would you would you get behind me and support me and endorse me how, how you think he's going to feel about it's kind of like bush did when that happened to him right you know what i mean i wasn't a big fan of uh, I, I was more a fan of donald trump's than i was of governor bush of a former president bush but you don't go you don't win a lot to me by go dissing somebody on such a personal way i, I remember uh, i'm i'm old enough to remember the uh primary campaigns between Gerald uh, Gerald Ford and the former governor of California, Ronald Reagan, in 1976 for the Republican nomination. That was very close, very hard fought. <clears throat> but at the end of it, Ford won fairly narrowly. But it was, it was a hard-fought campaign, but it was not as nasty as, I'm afraid, the next Republican campaign uh, – uh, nomination campaign is going to be so Ronald Reagan at the convention was able to say all right we need to get behind Ford now Ford lost to Jimmy Carter and became president four years later but you have like you're saying Tim you have to be able to to at the end of the battle be able to bridge the gap with those who voted for your opponent you have to be able to Close that gap with them and join hands and say, all right, now we need to beat the Democratic nominee. And if President, former President Trump 
drives people away by insulting them and insulting the people who supported them, that's going to be very difficult to do. <clears throat> now, we also have uh, I think Nikki Haley is going to be announcing, right? Yep. She let it be known uh, yesterday that she is throwing her hat into the ring. This is what she had to say about why she's running. Cut number four. When you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? The second question is, am I that person that could be that new leader? That yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. Now, she didn't expand beyond that, but uh, that'll come around the 14th or 15th of this uh, of this month, February, when it's, she makes a formal. just begs the question, how many, how many people are going to be in the Republican primary because they're they'll start announcing in the next couple of months right mm-hmm. whether they're going to run or not the interesting thing to me is uh governor DeSantis has not even announced he's running no and trump's already going after him mm-hmm. you know um so uh he must be worried trump must be worried that DeSantis could beat him that's my yeah. Otherwise, why would you why would you do this? But you know what? Trump's name calling is not going to stop Ron DeSantis. If he feels led to run, right. he's going to do it. Well, now, Nikki Haley is a former South Carolina governor, and she yes. was an ambassador to the United Nations. Right. With President Trump. Yes. Under President Trump. Yes. So she's disloyal. She, I'm sure he will call her disloyal. She's uh, She probably will do fairly well. I don't like... I think some of her social views are pretty soft. Yeah. She may even be pro-LGBTQ and pro-gay marriage, and I'm not sure what her abortion views are. But uh, I wouldn't doubt if there's 10 to 12 candidates who will be running. Well, the other ones that have been mentioned as possibilities are former Vice President Pence, uh, former Secretary of State, State. Um, Mike Pompeo. Pompeo. A lot lot of... Christy Nome. I would be surpred to see her. Governor of South Dakota, maybe. uh, Maybe Governor Abbott, who knows, from Texas. Yeah. And some of these... Youngkin from Virginia. Yeah. So some of these, uh, the the way sometimes this game is played, and in some senses it is a game, is people will run, uh, not really expecting to get the nomination, but generate awareness in the public eye of who they are. Mm-hmm. so that they can get good positions in the next administration if your side wins. Both sides do this, right? and uh, I wouldn't be surprised. So someone like Christy Nome is kind of well-known in the circles of social conservatives because some of the, some of the, some of the stands she's taken. Um, so, But to get nationally known, you need to run a national campaign. So I think I wouldn't be surprised to see people like that uh, maybe even Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina. Yes, you know, yes. His name's been kicked yep. around. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. it, the 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 season is upon us, and people are well, going to start announcing, and the, and the clashes will begin. Governor DeSantis has not returned fire, and I don't think he will. If he was going to, I think he would have already at Trump, unless they get into a primary season, and he has to, uh, but. Uh, even if he has to, I don't think Governor DeSantis would stoop to uh, personal uh, name-calling attacks on, right. uh, on former President Trump. Not personal. Hope he wouldn't. Not personal, but when the RNC was voting for their new chairperson last week in California, Ron DeSantis did come out and say this party needs new blood. 
Right. Yeah, and over the weekend, it seemed clear that he was getting his team yes. together. Yes. Trump would do a lot better. Of course, he won't do it, but just say, hey, <laughs> if Governor DeSantis wants to get in, more power to him. Yeah. yeah. And may the best man win, and I'm ready for him. Yeah. Let's, let's go. And I think I'm the best man. I'm saying I'm the best man. Right. Yeah. A rhino globalist. Who knew? <laughs> Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Trump has pulled back the curtain on <laughs> on the global rhino. Globalist rhino. We'll be back momentarily. Stay with us. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation, Thank you for standing with us. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God the enemies of your family. And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may he give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach... I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. I first told you about Mark Houck back in 2021, a devout pro-life Catholic. He was accused of pushing a Planned Parenthood volunteer who had verbally harassed his 12-year-old son. Local authorities refused to press charges, but the Biden Justice Department stepped in and dispatched a team of FBI agents to raid the family's Pennsylvania home. They arrested Mr. Houck at gunpoint in front of his terrified wife and children. He was charged with two counts of violating a federal law that bans the blocking of an abortion clinic, and he faced 11 years in prison. But some good news, a jury found Mr. Houck not guilty of all charges. A victory for the pro-life movement and especially the Houck family the Biden administration's crackdown on pro-lifers has been well-documented on my website, payback for the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mr. Houck fought the good fight, and he won the day. To God be the glory. I'm Todd Starnes. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Psalm 27, 4. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. 
Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Tim, Ed, and Fred, we thank you for listening to AFR. You know, uh, folks, we might as well talk about this right now, have a little family meeting. <laughs> and I, I kind of did this a month ago or so uh, and told you I, I hope this wouldn't happen. You're talking about what President Trump is now doing with this. Yeah, I hoped it wouldn't. It, it wasn't going to get ugly uh, with President Trump going after other people who run on the Republican side, who decided to run on the Republican side. But I'm afraid it's going to get and already has gotten ugly because of Trump. Mm. Uh, President Trump, listen, do you have to say this again? I voted for him twice. Very much appreciate what he did when he was in the White House. He was a good president. He was a good president. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we, we've commended him on many occasions. That's not the issue now. So when we, when we go forward from here, we're just when we tell you what President Trump said about Ron DeSantis or somebody else, we're only quoting what what uh, what President former President Trump says, and he says a lot of wonderful things, a lot of good things, but when he says things like this, calling Ron DeSantis a, a rhino globalist. And uh, and calling him Governor Sanctimonious, which means he thinks he's self-righteous. Am I right? Yes. He's calling him a self-righteous. He's calling him a hypocrite, basically a right. self-righteous hypocrite. That's wrong. That's wrong. And, and and then President Trump says, well, look at Governor DeSantis standing beside former Jeb, Governor Jeb Bush. That makes him a globalist. And I'm thinking, you just got through inviting Kanye West to your Mar Largo, the the rapper who got in trouble for his anti Semitism, and then some other fellow who I don't know who they who's a, a real white supremacist too. And you're sitting having lunch with them, and you get mad if somebody says, "Well, that makes you an anti Semite," right? And here you say, "Well, that Governor DeSantis is a globalist because he's at some meeting with Jeb Bush, the former right. governor of Florida." You see what I'm saying here? Yes. So I mean, if we're gonna if pointing that out. That doesn't make us hate Trump. I don't. Right. I don't hate Trump. I have a lot of admiration for what he did as president. I'm just saying, if it's about to get ugly, it appears in the next few months inside the Republican Party in particular, with people who are just, you know, Trump or nobody, and others who say, "Well, I'm going to wait and see who's in the field." what they believe in, what they stand for, what their record is, and then I'll make a decision, and it may have been, uh, may have been Donald Trump, but maybe it's Ron DeSantis, or maybe it's somebody else who announces. Uh, But you just, it doesn't help the discourse at all when when, uh, somebody like President Trump decides to just, you know, pick up the tomatoes and start throwing them across the room. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I was, I, I, on this show, I say what I believe. All right. 
So I was critical on the air of former President Bush and his approach in <clears throat> Iraq. Okay, I, 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 I said, you're not going to airlift democracy and, you know, drop it into Iraq, a country that has been Muslim for centuries and centuries. I was critical of all sorts of things that President Bush did. I look at the issues. I take I have a take. And right. that's what I say on the right. air. My concern always is for the honor of God, the glory of God, the honor of the name of Jesus Christ, his church and this country. Okay, uh, okay, in that order, and so uh, I may switch my opinion on who I think can help the country the best. I don't follow MAGA at the top of the list. I that I, that order of things that I had—the glory of God, the honor of the name of of Christ, His Church. Okay, then this country and what political philosophy i feel will help get this nation back it's so for our listeners i just got to encourage you you know you have your opinions we have our opinions we do the best we can to be as fair to everyone as we can and that's the best we can do Mm -hmm. right so all right fred what else you got Oh, we got a lot of breaking news uh, right now as we sit here. Uh, FBI agents have entered the home of President Joe Biden. This is the Joe Biden home on Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. This is uh, he has a home in Wilmington. We've talked about that. Uh, they've found how many documents. homes does this environmentalist have to heat and cool? <laughs> Good night. Is he not doing his part? I don't uh, think he's worried about his carbon footprint. No, okay. that's for sure. Anyway, so, the FBI agents are at this beach home this morning. This is a house that uh, apparently the Bidens bought back in 2017, uh, but the FBI agents are in there on the chance there may be more documents. Now, there yeah. was not a warrant issued for this. No. They, uh, uh, President Biden gave permission. Yes. So they're in there. Well, what's he supposed to do? Well, he could have said get a warrant, but they that would have. That would look bad. That would. Yeah. And they would have gotten a warrant. But why did, Yeah, I just want. I don't know. I don't know. What what more do you need? <laughs> right. You got four or five different examples of him uh, having possession in his homes of classified documents. You, you need 10 more before we're going to move forward with this. Right. Uh, you know, plus to me, I'm going, well, good night. Anybody over the last week or two could have gone there and cleaned up for him. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Could have found him. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't. It, I guess it is a new, it is a news story when the FBI goes into a sitting president's home. In this case, it's beach house to uh, see if they can find examples twelve, thirteen, and fourteen of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of, no, uh, I'm, you know, millions. He he's had millions of miles, you know, flying on Air Force Two, and millions of miles on. On the train. Didn't he use yeah. to drive a train? He had a key or something? He had a key. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. a conductor. He was a c- conductor. So, anyways. He and Corn Pop. Yeah. <laughs> also <laughs> going on right now. That'd be uh, a good children's book, wouldn't it? Cor- uh, me and Corn Pop. Go ahead. Sir. The uh, House Judiciary Committee uh, is holding its first hearing under Chairman Jim Jordan. And the focus of this hearing is the border crisis. And in his opening remarks this morning, Jim Jordan talked about, well, 
what we have been talking about now for the last year and a half, basically the invasion of our country. He's talking about people on the terrorist list. The latest news that came out just in the last 24 hours, they've picked up this uh, guy who was on the terrorist list. He's an Iranian. Actually, he made it through the border because our border people are so overwhelmed. And it was the Texas, uh, the helpers that Governor Abbott from Texas has sent down to the border. Uh, they're the ones that picked this guy up. But they he was know. in a trunk. Yeah, he was in the trunk of a car. But uh, also, I mean, the focus of this hearing is going to be on the uh, HHS uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, by the way, uh, Republican Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona, uh, he came right out flat out and said yesterday, Mayorkas needs to be impeached. Cut three. Look at the, just the damage he's done. He came in and he basically got rid of every policy that was working. Last year, that sector alone had over 360,000 encounters. Those are the people that are bringing drugs. They're, they're human trafficking, sex trafficking. They've put this country at risk. Yeah, and on and on. They have very moving testimony already at this, at this committee hearing from a dad who lost a child to fentanyl. And that's the other side of this story, folks. We're talking about tons of this deadly drug that has come across our border since Joe Biden became president. And they have, they have numbers to measure this. We're not exaggerating here. We're talking about tons. They believe thousands of American young people have died of this drug just in the last couple of years. So uh, Even while Mayorkas has been claiming that the border is secure. Again, even just earlier this week, he gave a speech, my orcas did, down in Miami, saying our plan is working. Really? And the plan, I mean, everybody knows the plan. Part of the plan is we're going to let 30,000 people a month in. Yeah. And, the, you know, the American people, enough is enough. And now, of course, <laughs> we learned earlier this week, apparently our northern border is a sieve. They're coming in from Canada. They're coming into New Hampshire and Vermont. And these are people, and and, uh, Governor Sununu of New Hampshire was saying yesterday, these people ain't from Canada. They're not Canadians. Right. They're from Guatemala. Listen, it'd be bad enough if it was Canadians. Yeah. Okay? That'd be bad enough. But they're not. But (laughs) Fred, uh, it was just a little. little But but we're told these are are poor, poor people just looking for jobs. Yeah. Well, how do you get to Canada from Guatemala? Yeah, that can't be cheap. You don't roll a boat. Right. You know, it's it's just, it is a crisis on our southern border. And now there's another committee that's meeting, the House Oversight Committee. You know what they're looking at? They're looking at $60 billion worth of American taxpayer dollars lost because of COVID fraud. $2 trillion went out to the American economy to try to keep the economy going. Right. But unfortunately, the basically there was there was no oversight where this money was going. The Republicans this morning, um, uh, Congressman Comer uh, is head of the oversight committee. He was saying during the last couple of years, there's been there's been no oversight of how this money was going out. There were people who applied for COVID money. They said, "I have a company of a hundred employees." <laughs> they didn't. Right. And they got they got millions of dollars to. Pay for these employees. Yeah, sixty billion dollars has been just flushed down the toilet. So this is this sixty billion dollars 
is money that is unaccounted for. Yes. Okay. So so that, that that's that's a that's big money. It it seems small compared to trillions, but it's huge yeah. amounts of money that have gone out the door and nobody knows. At this point, nobody knows where it's gone. Uh, I'm assuming the government's going to try to track some of this down, but some of it may just be lost forever. Uh, yes. Uh, today in Memphis, uh, the funeral uh, for Tyron Nichols, uh, the young man who was beaten to death by these uh, five police officers there. But uh, so the funeral is on, but a lot of attention is being given to who's going to be there. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is going to be at this funeral. The eulogy is being done by Al Sharpton. Also, the is he fa- still around? He's still around, and he's there. Also, the family of George Floyd is there. So this is becoming the death of this young man tragic, and we hope justice is done along the way. But there has been a, a deliberate effort now to turn this into, uh, by the left, another example, they say, of how desperately police reform is needed was very interesting this morning on Fox and Friends. A uh, Dr. Trey Penny, uh, he's president of the National Fallen Officer Foundation. He's talking about the circus that this is turning into by the left over alleged need for police reform. Cut number six. I'm disgusted that the White House would um, exploit this family's pain at the expense of law enforcement. And law enforcement is are the only ones out in these communities trying to keep the communities safe. So we don't want to run off our police officers. We need our officers there to protect these communities. And the bottom line is, if we continue to, to allow them to push this George Floyd bill through, they're going to they're gonna render law enforcement ineffective. Law enforcement is going to face uh, uh, higher rates of criminal prosecution, uh, have to defend themselves civilly against civil litigation. And, and most importantly, the DOJ is going to plant a stake in every law enforcement agency across this country, and police officers won't be able to do anything. Yeah. Who is that? Uh, his name is Dr. Trey Penny. Uh, he is a former police officer, but also... He is now president of the National Fallen Officer Foundation. Uh, he is African-American, and he is disgusted with what this is turning into. <clears throat> I, I don't, anyway, uh, so Reverend Sharpton is doing the eulogy? Is that yes. what you said? Yes. He doesn't even know the young man uh, or his family. Yeah, but that's not the point here, and that's that's what we're talking about. This, this it's from New York. This, this race-baiting. That the point is to have someone high profile turn this into a part of the narrative that cops need to go. These were five black officers. Two of these, wasn't there something in particular about two of these officers? Tony Perkins on Washington Watson, Washington Watch on AFR last night, in the last part of his program, uh, was talking about this, what happened in Memphis. He said uh, two of the five police officers who have now been charged came onto the police force with known felonies. They were convicted felons. But he, Tony Perkins was trying to make the point, who's also a former police officer, he's making the point that under reform, they ha- and also the fact that a lot of people don't want to be police officers anymore, they're having to lower the standards in order to try to bring up, I think Tony said that uh, Memphis is down about 500 police officers already. Uh, 
So in order from to people quitting from people quitting people re- taking early retirement, right? That's what they're saying. But he says two of these five were convicted <clears throat> felons when they were hired to be police officers. I didn't. I, I'm just going to say now I'm ignorant of the uh, obviously of the hiring policies and the regulations in Memphis. Okay, but I thought if you're a felon, you can't even have a gun. Okay, so <laughs> would you be a police officer? But to to Tony Perkins's point. We've been saying this since the George Floyd right. riots and the <clears throat> aftermath of the George Floyd death, that if you're not careful, you are going to drive out your most experienced and your most qualified police officers, and you're going to have to fill those roles somehow. Maybe this is a, a what Tony, Tony's talking about. Maybe this is a part of the fallout of losing the quality guys. There's no police reform that would have stopped what happened to Tyree, Tyree Nichols, right? Yeah. What in that situation that would police, quote, reform, whatever it is, how about this? Let's don't beat the guy to death. Yes. How about that for reform? Right. Uh, You don't need reform. I I don't know. That's just, to me, that's code for we don't need police. Uh, And and it seems to me part of the narrative that the whole country is irreparably racist. Because even black people. Yes, I, I saw... Black cops. Did we play this? I, I, I saw a, uh, I thought it was on MSNBC. Um, uh, well, wherever Don Lemon is, is, is if he's, he's CNN. On, still CNN. This he is was CNN. Intervie- <laughs> this, he was interviewing someone. Uh, it might have been Adams, Eric Adams of New York City. He was interviewing someone, and the comment was made, I think it was Eric Adams, that what these five black police officers did was still a part of racist police forces. Mm-hmm. That their mentality. Did you guys see this? Yes. Their mentality has was shaped by the racist policies and the racist ideas of the police department. Black guys beating to death a, another a young black man is the fault of racism. With a black police chief. Yeah. What, what, with a black police. No. Crazy. Here's here's and the argument they're trying to make. Lawmakers. This is the Don Lemons of this world. They're yeah. trying to say that lawmakers are mostly white people, and they haven't done enough to do police reform. Well, Therefore, they're responsible for what happened to this young man. I, I don't think anybody's buying that, fellas. No. Uh, they're trying to. I guess that's what Sharpton will try to do today. I, I'm not sure why he's in Memphis exactly. Uh, it has nothing to do with the racism. Uh, that's his thing. Um, uh, and, and anyway, I, I don't think anybody's buying it as evidenced by there's no riots going on across America like there was after George Floyd. Yeah. And secondly, uh, there's no riots going on because it's cold. <laughs> right. That's, huh? another, that's another thing. That Rioters don't get out Yeah, very much in bitterly cold weather. Right. The conviction stops. Conviction <laughs> to find that new flat screen. <laughs> At the at the store, free stops when it gets protest. to be when it gets to be twenty two degrees and right. wind chill factor. Yeah, uh, we need to stay. We need to stay home. Um, so there's just uh, I, I, I'm I'm disturbed. I guess a little bit that uh, the family here seems to be allowing their son's uh, funeral to be politicized. Um, 
That's, and, and listen, there, there's, this is my there's always room for improvement. Don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, and we have said this many, many times. I'm just going to say it again so no one will misunderstand what we're saying. Uh, yes, improve the relationship between the police force and the minority community. Yes, make sure your police officers are well-trained mm-hmm. when someone refuses to get out of the car or somebody refuses to hand. Okay, but I also want to say to all young people, whether they're people of color or they're white or whatever, or they're Asian, okay, when the policemen say, get out of your car, get out of your car, when they say, I want to see your driver's license, listen, I've seen a lot of white people doing this. I've seen videos of people saying, I don't, I, don't, I don't have to give you my driver's license. Yeah, you do. So if the police officer says, give me your driver's license, give him the driver's license. Uh, ratchet down the confrontation on both sides. There's plenty we can do to make things better. But this idea of let's get rid of the cops and turn it over to social workers. Maybe that's what George Soros wants. Well, and, and the other thing is get rid of law enforcement and bring social chaos to um, uh, America's big cities in particular. And, and the frustration level, obviously, on the part of police officers is also growing because they arrest people and they go to the just the other part of the justice system. And because of these new bail laws, whatever, they're right back out on the street. So there are reforms that need to be made. But um, let me just say this, too. And we, we mentioned this the other day. <clears throat> What these, uh, a lot of these so-called social justice warriors, uh, the BLM, Antifa, what they want and what they say is best for the black community in inner city America in particular is the worst thing. The results will be the worst things happening in those communities. And we mentioned this the other day. You continue to demoralize and demean policing and that profession uh, with, and over and over again, then, uh, th- then good people leave the police force. Then you can't find replacements unless you hire felons. Uh, then the criminal uh, element in your community is going to grow. And get worse because they're going to be emboldened because they see the cops are weak or they're non-present. And so, or, and, and add that to the fact that, that in a lot of these big cities, these district attorneys don't, don't enforce the laws. You've entered a death spiral. Right. And it's only going to get, you're, you're, if you're going to join those who say, you know, going to go after the police uh, all the time, then you're going to, not that they don't, uh, these five police officers deserve condemnation and they deserve, uh, they deserve, uh, you know, the charges. Well, now they'll have their day in court, so I can't adjudicate that, right. their, their guilt or innocence or what level of responsibility they have for the death of this young man. I'm just saying, uh, it's like the gentleman said that we quoted a while ago. Uh, that we bear his his voice from the police uh, union. What did you say he was from? Uh, he's with the uh, he's president of the National Fallen Officer Foundation. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to have uh, you're going to have a death spiral for big city America because people are going to be scared. Mm-hmm. So if they can get out, they're going to get out. If they can't, uh, businesses are going to uh, shutter and leave. That's happening. And when they do, you know, your tax base goes down. 
uh, people who have money can buy a house out in the suburbs or 50 miles away from town, they're out of there. Right. And uh, that's going to leave you. So that's going to leave you a dystopia uh, in, in these inner cities in America. And that's what we're, we're seeing. So I just say you better be careful b- before you sign up for, uh, you know, social justice. That's a code. You better watch that. <laughs> that's a code for being anti-police in many right. ways. And um, anyway, so there you go. What's next, Fred? All right. We got uh, one minute. Yeah, we got one minute left. You know what? 153 million Americans have uh, a lot of money invested in 401k programs. Yeah. Something to the tune of $12 trillion. Well, the Biden administration is looking at this $12 trillion and they'd like to use it for other purposes. Licking their chops. So what the Biden administration has done, uh, they're going to go to these companies that manage these 401k programs, and they want these uh, these managers, these 401k managers, to start directing uh, this, these trillions of dollars into companies that are really into the climate change and uh, kind of social and governance rule, uh, basically woke policies. And there's a lot of concern amongst Republicans, and Democrat Senator Joe Manchin is joining them to try to put a stop to this, because these companies may have far lower values than where the uh, financial companies want to normally put these investments so that your investment grows. And there's great concern that a lot of Americans' retirement funds may be in jeopardy if the Biden administration is allowed to go forward with this. So that was a move to... uh, to stop this move. And uh, Man- Joe Manchin is in agreement with the GOP. On this one, yes. Listen, I, I'm just going to say, I've never seen a more destructive presidency than the Biden administration. Yeah. I mean, on all fronts. Yep. The, the, this, this guy is a, is a wrecking ball. Yep. And this is another example. Yeah, and these uh, a lot of these uh, liberal mayors are getting upset with him because yep. of the influx of illegal immigrants into their cities they can't handle We'll be back in five minutes. Stay with us. You're listening to Today's Issues. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.